0: Hey, just real quick, if you're in an Australia and still have old analog clocks, it's time to upgrade so that your swimmers can see the clock. The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is now available in Oz. They're distributed by Tim Lane in Brisbane, and I've got a special deal for you. Just email him at Tim at swimnerd.com. tell him Brett Hawke sent you, and get yours today for just $7.99 Aussie dollars. So email tim at swimnerd.com and order your swimnerd pace clocks today. And we are going. Nathan, Adrian, how you doing, man?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you?
0: Good, bud. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, no, it's my, it's my pleasure. I've actually really enjoyed this. It's kind of uh, getting my little swim talk fix in uh, when, I, when I, I'm not on the road and, and with my, uh, my usual swim buddies.
0: Yeah, well, I've seen you doing a bunch uh, of podcasts, and I've had a I've had some amazing athletes on my podcast recently, and I and I know that I asked you uh, a while back, and you're you're busy for sure, but I've seen you talk about things, and that's great. Um, so I, you know, I think everybody knows a lot about you, so I want to try and dig into a few things they may not know about you. So we'll, we'll try and do that. How's that sound? Not bad. Cool. Um, well, where are you right now? What are you doing? And and how's it going for you? I'm in
1: Oakland, California. Uh, things are things are going reasonably well. Uh, I, I mean, we are still pretty locked down here. We were the first to lock down. I'm assuming we are probably going to be the last to to remain pretty locked down. Uh, I'm still training. We uh, we can go out to uh, Walnut Creek. We have a. I mean, all things considered, it's a it's a nice 11 lane uh, deep water. Uh, 25 yard pool and hey you know that's uh if that's all we can get right now that's that's all we can get we can still make uh improvements from that I still got I got a little setup in my uh in my garage where I can lift weights um and then I'm still you know working with uh with my buddy uh and business partner Will Copeland just figuring out the intricacies of running a swim school in the COVID-19 environment
0: oh is that what you're doing you got a swim school I didn't know that
1: I do, yeah. So it's a little like, it's like a dual model. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So uh, 1948 Olympics in London, uh, mm. a, a woman named Ann Curtis won, a freestyler won two golds and the silver. Uh, 2012, a, a, a guy named Nathan Adrian wins two golds and the silver. Uh, Ann Curtis went to Cal. I went to Cal. She opened up a swim school in 1959 mm. uh, in uh, San Rafael. And in 20. 20- it, it was 2019, um, gosh, it's, it's the years, man, they blend together. But in 2019, Will and I uh, decided to partner up and and buy the swim school, which is just kind of a cool, like, little handoff. It was literally in contracts to become a condo, like, 19 units, massive, like, construction. The neighbors were just really upset that you know i mean that's going to be a whole year of waking up at 8 a.m to hammering and, and you know saws and stuff so it's really been a cool project to to be a part of
0: good for you man that's awesome i didn't realize that and that, that is incredible isn't it but but it does suck and it must hurt right now because i know lenny Kraselberg has some swim schools here in in la and he's, right. he's he's struggling a little bit so it must be tough
1: yeah, I mean, we're running like in terms of hours that we're teaching, we're teaching over double the the number of hours, but we're running at one third capacity of what we typically, you know, mm. give in terms of numbers of lessons per day because we have to do the thing where our teachers are on the basically the teachers are on the side giving the instructions and uh, mom, dad, guardian, whatever whatever it may be is inside the pool giving the hands-on stuff, you know, taking, hey, hey, you're, you're bending your knees too much when you're kicking. Uh, mom or dad, can you go there and, and do it for them? Straighten the legs up a little bit. Or, you know, uh, the with the classic thing where they're trying to float on their back and they're just do- doing one of these and totally sinking. Yeah, and Mom or dad, hey, support them, hold their head back, give them a little tap if, if you need them to move, back, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was awesome. It was an in- very interesting learning experience. And honestly, it was cool to see the teachers that were so used to doing the you know they they were on autopilot they were going they they were used to doing in the water stuff with the kids you know four kids per lesson each level is we're teaching and working on this and then basically in Marin County Will and I all of a sudden had like the same day that it uh that the restrictions lifted and changed for pools were the same day that those regulations got released. So we were like, "Are you kidding me? We have no lead time for this. Like, <laughs> what's going on? We could literally open today, but we have to tell our instructors. We have to, you know." Mm-hmm. So we took a week, figured out what we were gonna do, um, and then kind of went from there. and And it's been a, it's been crazy. You know, the first year is supposed to be the crazy part. Last yeah. year was supposed to be the,
0: yeah.
1: oh my gosh, like we're navigating all these uh, crazy things, insurance payroll mm. you know all the little things that come with a small business and this year was supposed to be like oh yeah let's go we're, we're gonna grow it <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do all sorts of great stuff and then it's like whoa <laughs> we are closed down for our yeah. first whatever number of sessions I, we don't even know if we can open up what's going yeah. on so it's I mean yeah it, like everyone has their own story uh, yeah. that's similar to that mine just happens to be like swim school
0: yeah well listen man, I hope you get through it well and and come out the other end of it and, and thrive so that that will be awesome um it's nice to give back in that sense too you know i'm doing some some swim clinics these days where you know i go around to and and just see kids grassroots type kids you know and they're just it's just amazing to be able to tell stories and watch them um watch them grow within the course of a weekend you know so i'm i'm loving that part of it too so it's nice that you're doing that so um mate listen Lots, uh, lots to get into, but listen, one of the things that really interests me about you is just the, the consistency and the longevity, and, and your name has come up a few times in some podcasts that I've done recently, one with um, James Magnuson, and he was talking about how impressive that was in terms of, you know, many, many, many a sprinter have come and gone in the time of Nathan Adrian, you know, <laughs> so it's like, how have you stayed so good for so long?
1: You know, I wish I had a really, really good concrete answer that I was like, this is it, right? But the truth is, that's just not really how like life has, has worked or life works. Like there's only a few things that you can really concretely say, this is how it is. But I mean, that being said, I can kind of go back and, and look at the things that I emphasized and that were like my set of values when it came to swimming that I think that could contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really does. It, it comes down to being as consistent as possible in, in practice and in the weight room. And it doesn't mean always going these like consistently like amazing times or hitting race pace every each and every single day. But it's like having the level of um, awareness and communication with Dave to and and you know whatever our strength coach is at the time to understand what it is I need to get out of this practice. You know, is it a aerobic day? Do I need to like artificially make sure that I do not exceed 135, uh, you know, beats per minute in terms of heart rate? Like sometimes that sucks. That's incredibly boring, and I really hate it. But that's sometimes what you need to do uh, because that is the goal. And Dave is the guy with the master plan, right? <laughs> he's the guy that has the, you know, the four whiteboards with, uh, with with the calendar that's basically the day after the Olympics, and he's filling that stuff in. So. Um, tr- obviously trusting, uh, you know, the, the coaches, uh, really, really important. Um, and then understanding that it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, uh, I think is, is really been key, uh, to, to performing, you know, it, it's like, it doesn't just turn on and turn off. Uh, when I go to the weight room, when I get to, uh, the pool, it's like, well, there's a lot of stuff outside the pool. You, you really need to be cognizant about, um, in order to recover and make sure that you're you know, good to go for the next day.
0: Has there been a, a growth in your relationship from the time that you you were with Dave in college to where you are today? Do you have a lot of say in your program? Are you able to make a judgment call on a certain particular day or things like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, and and Dave himself, I think he would he would just talk about his you know growth and change, um, you know, from two thousand eight nine to where he is now. Um, and, and and for our relationship, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to saying, Hey, this is my job. (laughs) So it's like, Dave understands if I am not performing, it's not because I just am feeling lazy. You know, there's a certain, like, you gotta, I think as all swimmers, you have to figure out how to prove to your coach, Hey, I want to be good. Um, and, you know, that that comes from working hard in practice and then doing some of this, you know, extracurricular stuff that I'm talking about. It's making sure that, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm worried about my diet even on a Saturday night or I'm, I'm going to bed at a reasonable. Hour. I'm not saying, you know, you need to go to bed at 8 p.m. every night for, you know, 10 years to try to make the Olympics, but being reasonable about it, mm. um, you know, even through high school, through college and, and even beyond. Um, and once you get to that point where it's like, yeah, listen, we're on the same page. We both have the same goals. That that's where a lot of great things can happen.
0: I used to struggle with college kids sometimes because they would think, you know, once they got to college, they they you know, that was the top of the tree. And I, I would always say to them, like, look, there's another level beyond this as well, <laughs> you know, but they, fully, they couldn't fully understand it. If you could look back on your time in college and talk to, talk to that kid that you were back then, um, what were some of the things you were doing that, that you certainly wouldn't be doing now?
1: You know, I, I, at Cal, to be totally honest, and one of the reasons that drew me to Cal is we didn't have that problem. Because uh, when I got to Cal in 2006, I, I I was a small small fish in a big big pond uh, with with Mike Bottom you know getting ready to go for you know the 2008 quad uh, with Dewey still training with uh, Milo uh, still still training um, I knew that there were international experienced guys and I knew that I wanted to I wanted to chase them and it was probably really annoying <laughs> uh, you know to, to them at the time uh, but that was that was what I was I was looking to do and then I I, I I'm sure there are a lot of things I would, I would change, um, you know, back then. I think one of the I, – I do – I mean, my relationship with Mike was amazing. I think I would have just maybe asked him more questions to understand, you know, how he got to, to, to his coaching philosophy and what he thinks, um, you know, why he would talk to me in one way and talk to another athlete that's swimming the same event in, in a different way just so I could understand – um a a little bit and if you know you understand those those intricacies a little bit maybe you can you know tweak it or give him a little bit of insight um so that he could coach you better uh, or coach the other athlete better or whatever it may be
0: yeah um like i said there's some questions here that i want to get into maybe some other people haven't asked you but um I'm interested in certain things and and certainly I'm interested in the psychology of performance and and I think you've done it um, (laughs) as better than or as good as anybody has ever done it, you know, and and you've been around some athletes some of your teammates like Michael Phelps and people that have done it really well. So um, one of the things I used to struggle with at at big meets from all the way from when I was a kid, maybe even all the way up to the Olympic Games and uh, was was the heat sheet itself. You know, it it can get very... Um, it, it can cause a lot of anxiety, you know? So when you get that heat sheet and, and your coach comes up to you and says, oh, great, it's, it's printed, it's brand new printed, and here's all the, the heats and here's all the lanes. Um, you know, when you're at a big meet, you're obviously trying to um, beat as many people as you can. But when you're at the Olympic Games and you see all the best athletes in the world and all the names are lined up in the last three heats, it, it can get kind of daunting and overwhelming. How do you manage that?
1: Oh, man. Um, that's a good, that's a good question. I love that perspective, too, because it's so true, man. <laughs> like, that can't. I mean, that's, you're, you're like, whoa, like, this is real. Let's go. Yeah. I am in, you know, he won two or three of whatever the circle you the heats are. Yeah. And you're like, you know, if you're in the first one, you're like, well, crap, I don't know what the other guys are going to go. I think like, even the backstrokers are so lucky. They Those guys like those, those top top backstrokers can just go as hard as they want to go and still be comfortable oh you're
0: saying ryan murphy can float is that what you're saying
1: i'm saying (laughs) ryan murphy mac reavers uh can uh can sort of float when it comes to making top 16 okay and because they're so extraordinary i mean really that's that's a that's a that's a Hats off to them versus a and and a non jealous sort of thing and me being bitter. <laughs> there's,
0: a, there's a fine margin in the fifty free, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, well, exactly. Right, there is. Um, so yeah, that that heat sheet. I think you really just have to understand. Like, my approach would be like understanding where you're at as an athlete and what what you need to do in order to make whatever if it's semifinals or or finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that comes from. A lot of self-observation and, and understanding, because it's a long like, prelim, semi-finals, finals. That is a long. <laughs> I say four hours, but you know, <laughs> there's other guys or girls that are swimming multiple events, but it, it's tough and emotionally. Getting up and excited enough in prelims to qualify for top 16 without taking away or making sure that you can even be better because of that swim in your semifinal swim and then doing the same thing as a semifinal swim making sure that you can swim even better because of that swim in your final swim that's that's hard and it really just takes a lot of understanding um yourself where you're you know where you are emotionally in terms of your excitement levels and then where uh like physiologically uh your your effort level will correspond to what performance and, and that's kind of getting a little bit complicated but it, there's a lot that goes on in it um so that that's kind of that's kind of my uh, my long answer to that how about i mean tell me about you like what did you what did you do uh when during those times were you uh were you a blinders guy or were you like no, no no i like this is one of those this is a this is the morning swimmer like he's gonna go really fast i don't know there's a lot of ways to go yeah. about
0: it there are a lot and i think you can get caught up with your competition you start swimming other people's race when you start analyzing who's next to you and who's around you and and a can become difficult. Um, you know, I had a uh, I had a situation at the 2000 Olympics for myself, Nathan, where um, Peter Van and Hoogendam had just broken the world record in the 100 freestyle the night before, and there was a little bit of talk about that. You know, he wasn't going to show up for the 50 free the next day because it really wasn't his event. He'd done his 200, he's done his 100. You know, uh, he he'd got double gold in those, so the 50 free was just going to blow off. So Uh, I spent I was actually next to him in the prelims and I spent a lot of time thinking okay great Peter's not coming Peter's not coming and then as we were in the marshalling era moving down chairs you know what it's like you move forward you move forward you know and then and then as as we're about to walk out for the last heat you know right as I took my first step Peter Peter jumped in front of me and I was like oh shit Peter's here you know so I spent a lot of time thinking about Peter so I, I learned in that situation that it could really take away from your own performance when you start to spend a lot of time worrying about who's in, in your race. Um, one of the things I did with Fred Brisquet early on, um, and I started to incorporate this more often with some of my athletes all the way up even to Bruno Fratus, is uh, in the 50 freestyle especially, I asked them to give me 100% physically and give me about 50% emotionally. So what I would just say to them in the prelims is like, I want you to give me a full effort, but I don't want you to spend any emotion doing it. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to feel. I just want you to stand up on the block and I want you to go. I want your body just to go in automatic because you've trained your body to go. So it knows, you know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some adrenaline anyway that is already just built in because you're at the world championships or the Olympic games. But just get up on the block and give me no emotion. And I, and I want to see that physically in you. I want to see you completely relaxed in your face because the face holds a lot of emotion too. You can see it. So I asked them just to relax their face. Um, and then they would swim a time and they'd get out and I'd ask them, how'd that feel? And they'd be like, wow, that was, that was easy. Okay, good. In the semifinal, I want to give you, give me about 80, 85% emotion. I want you to bring something into it, but I don't want you to be fully engaged like as if it's the, the last swim of the meet. I want you just to be, I want you to be present um, give me some emotion in it and that way I could always just leave something and we, we did train this we did practice this so I would go into certain workouts Nathan where I'd ask them to you know give me a prelim swim give me a semifinal swim and give me a final swim and in practice I'd ask them to to get faster each time because I truly think it's a skill to teach yourself to get faster from prelim semis to finals because what I found and, and I'm sure you're, you you can you can attest to this as well the person that swims faster than they did in the semifinal tends to end up on the podium, you know. It's the ones that swim a really fast swimming final and then come back in the final and don't swim as fast tend to miss the podium. That's what I found in my, in my experience. So that's the way we trained it and Fred was really good at it and Bruno started to get really good at it. Always leaving your last swim to be your fastest swim. And, and that's, is that something that you work on as well?
1: Yeah, um absolutely. I I I love the way that you kind of categorize that from hundred percent physical effort and, and you know x percent um yeah. emotional effort. I I don't think that you know Dave and I had broken it down in that way, but I think he probably did it a little bit like you know, he yeah. he did it uh in his own way as as a yeah. coach. And sure. and that is it, it is interesting watching that uh those interactions, especially now, as I'm, you know, a little bit older and understanding, and again, it's like why I would go back and ask Mike why he did what he did with who he did it. <laughs> you know, like he didn't communicate the same with me as he did with Dewey or with mm. you know Milo or or Cat whatever, whoever it was, and, mm. and and that was out of out of design, and mm. uh, it, and I think it really does all just you know come down to that little you know aspect of kind of emotional. Uh, excitability and and where you kind of land on the spectrum um, of of uh, you know I don't I don't know I've, I've I've heard it's like a bell shaped curve right um, I'm a guy who I I live on the like more chill uh, relaxed uh, side of it I've only really gotten too excited one one time ever that was freshman year at NCAA's hundred freestyle <laughs> and I, I remember Mike actually came up to me and he was like hey I I overhyped you for that don't like listen, you were a freshman. I, I had to give you a, a shot. Um, and, and now we know and I won't ever do that again for you. Uh, and, and I was like, Okay, cool. Like, knows <laughs> what he's talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and, and, and since then, I haven't I haven't gotten that like, overexcited. So I can still always like, you know, do the things that artificially like, get you hyped up, listen to music or, or whatever it, it, it may be. Like there's other guys or girls who live on that other side of the spectrum that would border on maybe anxiety. And, uh, and that is a perfectly good and fine place to be, but maybe they need to be listening to like Jack Johnson uh, behind the blocks to bring them back down into that zone where they know they can execute and they know they can perform. And, and as you were kind of mentioning, just like the, the mind-body connection is just so fascinating and, and just we're so far away from understanding it in its entirety we're just scratching mm. the surface i think now and I, I really genuinely believe that's why uh we can expect to continue to to watch world records fall year in year out for uh for quite a while now
0: yeah mate I've, I've been to five olympics so i've seen a lot of people swim and i've seen a lot of winners and losers and i am i have this pretty firm belief and and feeling that uh in order to be an olympic champion you've got to be um, a little bit different than everybody else, a little bit special in a way. And I know you don't, maybe not like to hear that, but you're a special athlete and you're different and and you are an Olympic champion. And um, and it's not for everybody, believe me. Not everybody, there, there are many great athletes that never get there. And, uh, and, and I spoke to um, one of your competitors just recently in James Magnuson and, and he was a heavy favorite for the gold medal. And he gave me legitimate reasons on why he didn't end up winning that, that race. It made a lot of sense to me. But those, those reasons really could apply to anybody. Um, so why is it that Nathan Adrian is the gold medalist and somebody that is a heavy favorite never quite got there? How, how did you get there? Why, why you, you think?
1: It was my day, man. It was just my day. And I, I, I do believe this. I, I, you know, if we could, uh, if we could go and, and somehow steal a Rick and Morty portal gun, <laughs> and re-swim that race 100 times, James probably would have beaten me 90-plus times. Um, I, I mean, I, I unfortunately haven't been able to uh, To – I've only seen the highlights of, uh, of some of your podcasts with James. I'll have to go back and, uh, and listen to it uh, after this. But, um, I mean, he was a phenomenal athlete. Um, and, and he was – gosh, Australians just figured out how to come back in like 24 lows. <laughs> uh, so I'm still working on it. Um, so, you know, he, he had that, he had that in his arsenal. And for me, like my story, when I talk about it, I was, I was not necessarily as heavy of a favorite, but I was certainly someone that people were like talking about going into 2011. Um, I had had a really great 2010 and 2011, although it hurt very, very bad, uh, it was exactly what I needed at the time. Uh, because it, it really showed me that the, the anticipation of failure is a million times worse than the actual failure itself, mm. and I, I I wish there was a way to instill that in young minds without forcing them to experience it, that themselves. But unfortunately, I just don't think there necessarily is is one a way to do that right now without just saying, "Hey, listen, we gotta you gotta fail," and, and not. Don't go out purposefully to fail. That doesn't count. You mm-hmm. got to invest yourself into something. And if you do it enough times, I'll tell you right now, you are going to fail. And, and then you're going to realize that, hey, you're, a, you're still better off for it at the end of the day. Like you, you invested in something and, and you went out on a limb. Like good, good for you legitimately. And then from a physiological standpoint, like, of course, you just trained your butt off for a year. <laughs> that is going to eventually pay off. Just, just give it some time. And then, yeah, as as I moved into to 2012, I actually remember the day. So Australian trials, like I think we wake up and we we see results, or maybe like yeah. you know, they happen at like three or four o'clock in the morning or something.
0: Sure. And I remember seeing it. I was like,
1: whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you know, James had gone 47-4 at uh, at uh, world. you know world championships in Shanghai, and then I think 47-1. I was mm. came back in. 24-1 or something like that and i think james roberts was right behind him he's hmm. like all right like dang and i remember walking up into dave and him his his response was exactly what i needed to see too was he was like yeah i saw it it's uh you know it's 559 get in the water <laughs> <laughs> you know and and i got in and then we swam our workouts and then we continued on our on our path like what else could I have possibly done? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's not like, Oh wow. I need to think about that to, to reach and dig deep in this, uh, in, in, inside of me to, to muster up some more energy. I was like, no, I was, I was digging deep, man. Like I, I was ending, I was ending our our lactate days and full, like full body cramps. You know, I I was pushing as, as, as hard as I could. So that's, that's, what we were gonna do. Um, and and it was kind of nice having that um pressure off of me so I could just focus on on myself and perform. It was funny also after um f- finals of the 100 Freestyle at Olympic trials, an Australian reporter uh was like 48, I don't remember it's 480 48 481 or something like it went it's 48-0. Uh, that's, that's a long way from 47-1. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then I just stopped. And I was like, man, that is, those are the kind of questions that some other countries' athletes get. And I, I actually, I mean, let's talk about it, man. Like, Do you believe that the Australian media plays a role in Australian performances on occasion because... They hype. They're hype. they just kind of brutal, to be totally
0: honest. hundred percent. They're so brutal, man. Especially with swimming, because they're swimming, especially at the Olympics. Swimming's put on this pedestal of, like, we have to win so many gold medals. And we've been spoiled by athletes in the past, like, you know, Kieran Perkins and, and Ian Thorpe oh, yeah. and, and people that can go out there and just be automatic. You know, uh, the, the world has shrunk. And, and I think there's many reasons why the world has shrunk. You know, one of the biggest things is that we're sharing more than ever. I mean, everything is on uh, everything's on social media. I can see I can see what you're doing in practice this afternoon if somebody wanted to post something. So I, I know what's going on around the world, and it's easy to make adjustments on the fly, whereas 20, 30 years ago, you, you just couldn't do those things. You had to kind of guess, and you had, there was a lot of doubt and insecurity. Now it's like, I know what Nathan's doing. Fine, I'm cool with that. You know, so... Um, but yeah, the media is brutal, man. God, they're brutal.
1: <laughs> they love to see. They love to see Australians fail. I don't understand it. I mm. honestly, I feel bad mm. watching it. I, I mean, the American media for <laughs> let's not go into that. We can get wrapped up in that. But in terms of sports reporting, it's almost nice that hey. You yeah. fail, there's another story. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the day that I, I think I got uh, fifth in the hundred free and fourth in the fifty free at uh, World Championships, like, you know, Michael and Ryan were were duking it out in like the two hundred free and the two hundred IM and stuff. So no, no one cared about that.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the biggest mistakes you can make with the Australian meter is is tell them what you're going to do before you do it. You know, and I think <laughs> I think one of the biggest mistakes James made leading in. Uh, from what I can remember, and, and just from memory, um, because Caesar had the world record, and I remember thinking it kind of irritated me at the time. I remember, th- you know, he was talking about breaking the world record, and and I was like, okay, that that's a really bad thing to say before you go out and break the world record because they're going to hold you to that man. <laughs> it's death over there. So yeah,
1: he could have gone a forty six nine, and it would have been a fail. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. like that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy yeah yeah it's 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 terrible but um yeah i don't know uh but yeah that that was his take on it you know he he got beaten by the the better man he admitted that you know and and one of the things that he does give you credit for is, is the the consistency um i had a i had a uh a conversation with alex popoff once and he was talking about gennady and and the, and and what what he did for longevity and just being consistent. Pop-off was just bang, 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 year after year, just consistent. And one of the things that Gennady said to him was, I remember, he, he got him to a point and said, okay, the best we can do now is just keep coming back to that point. We're not going to keep getting faster and faster and faster. There, there's a point where you stop getting faster, but there's, there's a point now where you can be consistent. So over the next five years, we're going to be consistent. And that's kind of what Popoff was. It was like, whenever he dove in the water at any point in time, you knew what you were going to get with him. It was going to be a 21, nine. It was going to be a 48 low. It was just bang, bang, bang. And I kind of feel the same way about you. And, and I actually, I haven't spoken about this publicly. It's the first time. So I actually had this conversation with Caesar Cielo and it was one of the reasons why he ended up leaving me. Um, because I had a conversation with him, um, right before the Pampax in, in 20, when did you beat him? What year was that? 20, 2010. 2010. He, he left me after that meet. So I blame you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you beat him by a couple of hundreds uh, of a second in the 53. But right before that, I remember having a conversation with him about this Alex Popoff conversation. I said, look, we've got to a point now where, you know, you're 21.5. five. I'm not sure how much faster we can get, but, but I know that over the next few years we can be really consistent. He didn't want to hear that. He wanted to hear how I was going to get him beyond, you know, he'd obviously swum 20.9 the year before. So it was like, I don't want to go backwards. I want to keep going forwards. So it was actually one of the reasons that that kind of hurt our relationship because I had this conversation with him. Have you and Dave had anything like that? Because you are so consistent. You're so on point and people know what they're going to get with you. If you line up next to Nathan Adrian, you're going to get 47 high and you're going to get 21 mids. And it's just like, bang, bang, bang. Has that been part of your conversation?
1: Um, no, not, not so much. Um, and um, I mean, I think this actually like the reason why I think think that we are going to continue to see world records break and break and break and break is is that mental aspect of it Sure. and I respectfully would would reject that notion as well Yep. because I do, and and not because it's not true again no, is,
0: look I, I agree it was a mistake believe me, <laughs> me. <laughs> uh it,
1: not because it's not necessarily true but because as humans we don't know our potential yet and yeah. and I think, like, just the fact that um, I mean, even going to like you know Tim Noakes's like central governor theory, and hearing that people with you know uh, like a a neural stimulant can improve their performance—that is mental, right? That's not your muscles. That's not how many mitochondria you have in your in your muscles. That is your brain being able to go further, faster, higher, whatever it may be. And, and I, I really do believe that part of the reason why a good high school athlete these days is like 19.5 versus like a 20.8 like it was back in my day um, is because they know they need to be that fast. If I knew that I needed to be a 1950 uh, freestyler in high school to get recruited to a Cal, to get recruited to an Auburn, Texas, um, I, I would have found a way to do it. And, and that's like this weird, like, like mm. I do, I I remember uh, Nort had us listen to that, whatever book it was, that was basically, if you believe it, you can achieve it. These people yeah. believed they were going to win the lottery and they won the lottery. And I was like, that is so stupid. Like, <laughs> I just like completely rejected that notion until I like, I. that's a useful, uh, you know, illustrative tool, mm. I think, to to explain you know, what's, what's going on in the world. I, 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 I don't know. I, I really just am super excited to continue to be a swim fan. Um, even when it comes to something like the ISL, I it, it really rang a bell with me when you said some of your athletes uh, thought that collegiate swimming was, was it, man, this yeah. is the pinnacle. I went NCAA yeah. tile. This is, this is awesome. Mm. Swim the ISL <laughs> <laughs> because every in season meet, uh, has a performance that's equivalent of like an NCAA record setting or NCAA winning. Like we're doing dual meets here and these times are equivalent to NCAA winning times uh, in a fast year, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so there is a whole nother level. And I think the you know, the ISL started to scratch the surface of it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, man. So, uh, well, if that's the case and and, and the reality is it's going to take 46... Something to win the hundred freestyle at the uh, at the U.S. trials next year. Does Nathan Adrian one hundred percent believe that he can do that?
1: I'm figuring out how uh, how to do it. I'm I'm try- I'm trying. I don't know. I mean, I, I am I'm really I feel lucky at this point in my career to be able to experiment a little bit. Yeah. Um. And, and I, I actually really enjoyed your uh, Instagram story the other day, just kind of referencing, hey, why can a why can a UFC fighter train for x number of weeks for a you know x number of minutes out yep. and we are still doing what we're doing
0: yeah
1: and i i don't know man I, I think that we're gonna be surprised with some of the results from this whole covid situation mm-hmm. and we are already watching people go pretty fast times yep. um and i i hope that people are gonna are gonna learn from it in some some way or another you know we're only in the water uh gosh for a while there we were only in the water like six, seven hours a week. So Dave was, yeah. we're doing a lot of quality. What, what else can you do? You can't do extensive swims. It's not going to elicit any, you know, reasonable amount of adaptations in terms of, you know, improving your aerobic capacity. You've got to go a little bit beyond that. Yeah. Um, and we pushed it and it was awesome. And I, I mean, I, I think, I do think I learned a lot from that. Um, so being able to experiment has, has been fun, and even when it comes to that, the mental training. What do I do? Like, how do I like? How do I wrap my mind around that idea? I don't really know. Do I need to start talking to Dave and be like, "Listen, you need to give me times that are three tenths slower, so I get pissed off," <laughs> or do you does, Do I need to be like Dave? Listen, my confidence is low, <laughs> and then you know he does the opposite. Like, there, there, I don't know and unfortunately, you can't really experiment on yourself and truly be like, like, like have it be valid. But I, I, I don't know, playing with that, I, I truly believe is the, is the next frontier of, of human performance.
0: Yeah, listen, man, you know how I feel about it. I agree, too. And, and I'm so glad you are experimenting because I think people like you will elicit change for the rest of us. You know, people are going to study Nathan Adrian and say, how did he do it uh, for so long at that age? And how did he get better? How old are you right now? 31 how did he swim his best times at the age of 31? You know, they're going to study you. So that that's what I love, man. It's, it's awesome. I'm glad you're experimenting. And, I, and I'm glad you use that word experiment because people come to me and they say, Brett, what's the answer? I'm like, I don't know the answer. I just know that we can't keep doing the same things we were doing 30 years ago and say that's the answer. I mean, everybody's doing nine workouts a week, nine to 10 workouts a week, swimming five, six K. It's like, that's been happening for centuries. Like how long are we going to keep doing the same thing, but expecting different results? So I'm super glad you're experimenting. Um, And and you have one of the best coaches in the world, if not the best. So you're you're in good hands. Now on that, why have you stayed with Dave so long? So many people change coaches. So many people doubt. So many people have failures and then they go back and they blame their coach or or they just feel like they need change. How has it that you've stayed with him so long and had all this success?
1: So if if there's any performance that is suboptimal, I think there's a really genuine, and it's not even, like, ex- expressed, to be, to be totally honest, but a, a thought process between Dave and I where we both take accountability for it, hmm. you know, and I, I really appreciate that about him. I mean, one time, it was, oh, it was 2010, actually. No, 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 sorry, sorry 2011 um i missed getting third in the 50 by a hundredth i was two hundredths off of uh a silver if i had gone the time uh, i went in 2010 in the 50 i would have you know been competing with caesar for gold um and we used that as a learning opportunity i flew back over the pacific ocean um swam at stanford still pretty jet lagged and went faster than i went and i would have you know gotten silver with that time and he came up to me and he was like hey you know, that that probably cost you a, that cost you something. But we're going to learn from that. And we're going to be better because of it. Mm. And, and like him coming to me and saying that, it was, I was just happy I went faster. You know, I was just like, I was like, oh man, like 21.9. I was going like, you know, in the, it's a 50. I was going all out. I was trying to do, do everything that I could. It wasn't, be, it, I mean, what I'm saying is that my performance wasn't because I was trying harder. It was because I was in a place physiologically uh, to To perform better, and you know, it's Dave's job to, to work with me and, and get me to that to that position. And, and I mean, him coming to me and saying that just ultimately put like him to have the humility to say that is so sure. important. You know, I mean, I, I I'm not really expressing it well enough here, but obviously, he's an amazing coach. He's yeah. done. He's done great things. He was, you know, a large part of Auburn's success during, the, his, during his times mm-hmm. there. And to hear him say, we're going to learn from this. We're going to get better. That's like, I'm in, coach. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's a ride to that wagon. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We're, we're getting ready. And then 2012 comes. We had a great year and ever since then i mean it's just like why would i why would i switch when i i really do feel like dave knows me as at this point like it would take a coach a while to get to know me yeah. to get to know hey nathan can only do so much super um you know high rest frenetic uh fast 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 work until he just absolutely falls in a pit <laughs> you know <laughs> like i can do like sort of like power and power endurance like as for a a good while and it'll, it'll be pretty good for him. Dave knows that Dave knows how to, you know, tweak different things for what we're working. Even, even these past, um, let's talk about even these past two or three cycles, we were working on getting my strength and my stroke back versus when I, you know, aren't, when I'm not going my times, I want to go, I I tend to scramble. I tend to, you know, uprate and, and slip through the water. And Dave just, boom, sneaked in some work with parachutes, with fins and paddles, you know, doing do, like manipulating workouts in, in ways that I didn't even comprehend at the time. But it got me to a place where now I'm like, holy crap, like I'm swimming, I'm swimming pretty good. And I have like a one four, one five tempo. I mean, that's not I'm not going 100 pace at that stuff. But like, I'm feeling strong. And, and that's a good place for me as we move forward. Why should I switch? You know, like he's willing to work. He's willing to work with me, and and knows me well enough. Um, And I think even as a coach, if I was like, Dave, what was that? (laughs) Why why am I doing that? Mm. He would have a an explanation, you know, and and that works with me. It's not just like, hey, listen, I I just think it's I just think it's good for you. I think it's money in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) How much do you like that saying, but it's money in the bank. (laughs) Money in the bank. Okay, thanks, coach yeah so, so I think that you know and, and having that discourse and and I've been able I've been I found a place where I can have that discourse with um with uh either Dave or if it's you know currently it's Chase it was Yuri before it was Greg before that and uh you know Joel our weights coach and it was Nick Folker before that a guy who used to be racing um so so that's been that's been helpful for me for sure
0: I love it, man. Well, it's super impressive. I love the fact that Phelps and Bowman stayed together all that time. It's so often that you see, you know, athletes cut and run. Um, but for you guys to be, to be there throughout your whole career, I think it's really impressive. I love, I love everything you just talked about. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that have really improved sprinting over the past 10 years has been this, um, you know, intelligent recovery. And ways that we can recover, you know, we're obviously going to break ourselves down, but how do we build ourselves back up? Uh, And I think that's evolved over the past 10 years to to some really interesting things. Is there anything that you're doing, um, you know, maybe in the past five or six years that that is new that, that you feel like has really contributed to your recovery process?
1: uh i can tell you what hasn't contributed and that's getting older (laughs) 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 i mean it was amazing dude i I used to be able to go in max like do a max pull up like even even like a negative pull up and then go back into the water and and go like best time like velocity it was awesome can't do that anymore unfortunately but (laughs) it was cool while it lasted um I, i i do think that there's a huge especially as i've gotten older and just have other Stuff going on in my life um, that you really have to be like specific with your recovery, you know, and and thinking about your body as like or like your parasympathetic sympathetic relationship is kind of a dimmer switch, right? I want to be fired up, I want to be you know jazz and ready to go as I swim, but that does prevent you from recovering. So how quickly can I switch that? stimmer switch over to parasympathetic after uh after we we're done swimming and one of the things that we did in the lead up to 2016 was uh Dave had someone come in and, and do a little bit of yoga with us mm. um and and that was that was really helpful uh for me I I stopped doing it quite as much because we got into this situation where I was getting up lifting weights for a little over an hour swimming having a really intense swim session and then yoga was just a little too like even though it wasn't super taxing getting in those poses and doing that stuff it was too much like i i was just like sweating and i was tired by the end of it Mm. so i kind of switched that a little bit and i would just come home get a good meal and then i would just do a a meditation of some sort try to try to relax rest like feel like i'm floating in my bed by you know imagining whatever the stream of lights (laughs) you know like all, all like stuff that sounds goofy and weird but it totally works yeah um and it was it was also just kind of uh, it, it was helpful for me to see like they attached some electrodes to to my head at the USOC and that it was like some sort of dr- reading of brain waves and after doing it for a while I I did have a, at least a little bit of control I'm not saying I'm like a monk here but it was like try to try to slow that down try to make that little thing that's ticking uh, tick a little bit slower by focusing on your breath or doing this and, and I saw it. And that was that was all the confirmation that I needed. I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is real. Um, you know, th- this can help. So that was that's definitely something um, that that we've been doing. I mean, there's so many things in like sport, like recovery science that is like the the newest and yeah. greatest thing, right? I, I don't know what it was during your time in twenty what two thousand eight or so. It was like recovery pants. Those were those are the the jam. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. getting blood flow to your legs it was going to help you know replenish mm. blood glycogen all this mm. sort of stuff you know now it's not that's i mean that's certainly a, a something helpful and then before then was ice baths now people are like oh do ice baths actually you know mm. eliminate the, metab- bad, the metabolites like too quickly yeah. i don't know it's it's interesting right it's 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 like a little bit of a little bit of this a little bit of that try it if it works for you do it if you're a responder to a certain modality when it comes to recovery do it i think actually one of the most Uh, poignant examples for me is watching like a a Matt Graver slash Nathan Adrian room versus like a Chase Kalish room. (laughs) (laughs) And and Chase has a little motor going on uh, in his head and in his body. And when we're at an international competition, like it is still recovery for him to go exploring. And it is still recovery for him to try a new restaurant. That's really important for his happiness and Mm. his uh, his own performance. Cause I, I really believe if he was to, you know, lock himself in his room and, you know, order the same room service every night and be stuck in there for too long, he wouldn't be in a good place emotionally to perform. Mm. Whereas Matt and I were like 10 days, make it 14. Let's go. <laughs> I don't have to leave the hotel and or pool slash weight area. That is awesome. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, that's uh, I'm. I, I think you gotta really understand that. Hey, um, what may work for me might not work uh, great for someone else.
0: I was gonna ask you that. I mean, you you sound like you have a go-to person in in Grievers. Um, what is it about your relationship where you feel like rooming with him can bring out the best in you?
1: Ah, uh, he's just he's just a good guy. <laughs> it's like he really truly is like just one of the most kind-hearted people I, I have probably taken the shirt off of his back when I didn't have my own shirt actually literally he brings he brought his parka down to 2014 uh, <laughs> Gold Coast where it never rains <laughs> oh god pan uh, packs because he knew that if I forgot mine which I did and I didn't bring it uh, mm-hmm. that that I would want a parka you know and, and that's the kind of guy that's the kind of guy that he is yeah um, and, so and beyond that he's just like a, a Positive, awesome presence, and that's you know that's what you want. That's what you want in a taper camp buddy, you know, Uh, a lot of laughter, uh, a a lot of fun, and a lot of smiles. And then you know you're priming your brain to uh, to to perform.
0: What is it about the U.S. team, man? Um, You've always had a presence, and and you've been part of it now. And you've been captain uh, many times. Can, Can you let the rest of the world in at all, or are you trying to keep that a secret? Like, what is it about the U.S. team that that you just have? A deck presence. I, I,
1: I actually, to, to try to truly quantify it would be really difficult, but I, I am definitely a subscriber to the notion that the structure that is in place to qualify for Team USA is what gives us a little bit of that swagger. Mm. We had to fight, man. I don't care for what international competition it is, but as an American athlete, you had to get scrappy, and fight and and everybody knows that and everybody respects that so every, when you get to the get to the meet it's you, you know you're like yeah let's go like I these are the people I want to walk with shoulder to shoulder uh competing against the rest of the world and I think that other um places try to get super cute in terms of making these weird qualifying standards I have to go in a time in prelims and then I have mm. to go faster and do this or that. And that is their, their, I, I like, they're trying to do their best. Like they don't have mm. 330 million people in their country, you know, and they don't have as much. I mean, it's going to take a 48 something to to make top 16 in the hundred free for sure. Yeah. That's not, that's crazy, right? It's, 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 it's taken 48 highs to make, the olympic team 48 mid or 48 highs to make the olympic team and then you go back to 2004 it's like 49-4 made it or something like that so like that's the depth we have that's the competition um that we have i i really i really think the ability of americans to take that respect for each other and then move it into a team atmosphere is, is more impressive than um you know our our like our like deck presence uh, the intimidation factor
0: (laughs) yeah man i had the pleasure of working with you at the isl it was amazing just to sit back and watch you um i hadn't been kind of in your inner circle like that before and there were a couple of times where you asked me to um you know record some stuff in warm-ups and then you'd look at it and then you'd, you'd either make an adjustment or you'd move on you'd be happy with it you know what how important is kind of that video feedback for you? Well, why do you use it, and especially you know, right then at that point in time?
1: I mean, I think to to any person to express the importance of like video or, or picture feedback, hmm. just go back to your age group days or any time you've worked with someone crossing over on backstroke, <laughs> and be like, no, 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 wider. I want you to enter wider. Oh, yeah. And they will not actually <laughs> enter wider until you're like, listen, you are entering at your other shoulder. This is what <laughs> it looks like on video. I want you to be out here. Yeah. You know, and, and that is that's so true for I, I think that's a great example, but that's true for, you know, my entry at the top. Um, you know, if if I swim too much long uh long freestyle, I know that my head position, I start to look too far down, I start to um, I cross over a little bit with my hands. like, And those are adjustments that like happen kind of slowly, right? And then I look at it on video. I'm like, oh, crap. I've got to like, you know, work on this and get it back to where it needs to go. And to be able to see it is just a, it's a lot easier to be like, what is, my, what is my change? And you actually see it and you're like, yes, that's where I want it to be.
0: Well, you, you had some great performances there, but you're in the skins a couple of times. You made it to the top two. What's your... What's your process through through that period where you've got, you know, a swim every couple of minutes and then you got to back up. Like how do you, how do you do one swim and then move on to the next one?
1: I mean, skins is, skins is tricky. And, and you know, it honestly like kind of goes against everything that you're supposed to teach like uh, young athletes. You know, it, the truth is you do, you have to change your race strategy based off of who else is in the water. Um, you know, that's just how it goes. If there is five really, really fast guys like there were at uh, skins at the finals, I got to go all out. <laughs> you know, if there's only three, like really, really fast other guys, and then you can kind of, you know, sneak your way and try to hit that fourth spot. Then you can back up a little bit, maybe you can take a breath, um, you know, what, whatever, whatever that may be. But again, Kyle was left out of, uh, of, of top four at skins, and he I mean, he beat me at at uh, in the actual event, you know, because I, I just, just, I'm old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I kind of knew what was going to happen. Uh, so basically, that one was just like two all out sprints. And you could, you could tell, <laughs> you could tell towards the end there. Uh, but some of the other ones, you're like, hey, listen, this is, it's a little bit of what you were talking about. Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna Pull back from this. Is it from an emotional perspective? Is it from like the physiological perspective? Um, and and different people will have their different ways of doing that. But that's that's the game of skins, and and I think that's why it's so intriguing to watch.
0: Yeah, man, you're you're awesome. I was I was glad you're on our team because you you could always figure out how to get it done. But um, I'm interested in in kind of your perspective of your career. You know, going from you know an Olympic champion in in 2012 to where you are today and and a lot of people worldwide talk about caleb dressel as as the man these days how how do you go from being the olympic champion to to where you are today in in a sense of i was always super competitive and i'm sure you are too you know you never want anybody to tell you that somebody's better than you or or you you know they never even want to think it especially while you're still competing do you allow yourself to think that Caleb Dressel is better than you, or do you still believe that anybody is beatable on any day?
1: Anybody is beatable on any day, man. Uh, I, I fully, fully believe that. Um, and I, I don't know. That's that's just kind of a, a enough said in in that perspective. And yeah. the only thing you can do is is you know manage your yourself, right? Like I need to be there at my peak in case something you know for whatever reason goes wrong with someone else you know and it's scary that's like that's one of the that's one of the things that makes the olympics the olympics right is is that you know lolo jones leading up to was it 2008 had only stumbled on a hurdle like twice in her career ever i just watched that little hbo uh, Mm. thing with, with that michael narrated I didn't realize that like she hadn't done, she had only done it two or three times, like ever, even in practice and it happens at the Olympic final. You know, you have to be there to give yourself a chance, you know, (laughs) like what if I was like, Oh no, like, I'm just like, I'm just going to kind of get through this and and do whatever. And then come trials for whatever reason, or the Olympic games, for some reason, just people aren't doing as well as, as predicted or or as they had hoped. and, Mm -hmm that is the situation where i would never forgive myself i can forgive myself for going all in and saying they got they got the best of me that day man Mm -hmm. like i'll go home and i will sleep well and i'll be you know i'll be bitter and pissed off like that's because because we're competitive Mm -hmm. but again it's it's like i i am still satisfied with my reaction and, and and my approach to the situation
0: yeah Great answer, man. I love it. That's exactly the way I'd, I'd approach it too. So thank you for sharing that. And, and your honesty, it was a tough question. I didn't know whether I wanted to ask that or not. but, but I did. Um, Listen, you, you know, you've talked about your, your challenges over the past uh, 12 months with, with your cancer and things like that. So I don't want to go into great detail because I know you've talked about that a lot, but is there anything that swimming has kind of prepared you for, for that challenge? Is there anything that we can relate to, to going through anything like that?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> when, if and when, and I hope that it's not when, but the fact is that a lot of, I mean, and I think it's like one third of Americans get diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lifetime. Um, and for, I hope for those people who do, it's very, hey, this is what you got to do uh, and, and you'll be fine. For me, and for truthfully, most people, it's like, this is what we think is going on. And these are the available treatments, and each of these treatments, given your situation, has this percentage, it's like success rate. So it's like this massive game of like statistics, and and if you allow yourself to go down this rabbit hole, you can be like, oh, like eating too much X Y Z is a risk factor for testicular cancer. I shouldn't have done that, mm. uh, or whatever, whatever else may may prop up in your mind and, and those are not healthy things to do like because it's happened already like you mm-hmm. can't let yourself go there
0: mm-hmm.
1: the same way as in swimming you can't let yourself go there you can't look at the heat sheet for 15 minutes you need to look at what your lane is understand maybe a little bit of the intricacies of how the race might play out and then give it back to your coach like you have to control your controllables and that's one of Dave's, Dave's big things right and for me it was like taking the information that we had making an informed decision that I could live with at the end of the day if it was not the correct decision right so basically if I could go back mm. uh, I would have done a slightly different treatment plan I mean it would have been like boom let's do the first surgery and then I could do like some adjuvant chemo and then be done with it forever. based off of our information that we had at the time I did the first surgery, I did the second surgery and then now I'm on the active surveillance protocol. Also a fine outcome, but that those were all just made off of, you know, our information in our little our little vacuum. And that's the that's the only thing you can do in swimming again, like just manage yourself. That's like just the big big thing going on, right? It's like you might see like a person rocking out to crazy music at the meet and doing weird like med ball slams is activation, moving into a runner dive, this, that, the other, don't do it. <laughs> like, don't do it. If you want to try it next lactate set day. Yeah, absolutely. But figure out what you need to do for yourself. And and that was like, that's kind of like the approach I've taken to my entire swim career and why I feel like at, no matter what, at the end of the day, I, I, have done my best to make these decisions that I can live with forever. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of how that how swimming had prepared me for that situation.
0: That's good advice, man. Yeah, that's really good advice. Just stay in your lane and stay focused on controller controllables. I love what Dave talks about there. So man, I want to give you a chance just to kind of mention your sponsors because uh, without, without them, you know, swimming's real tough. We don't have a lot of chances to kind of mention our sponsors. I see you got speedo, t-shirt on i believe they're one of your your sponsors so talk to us about a couple of couple of them
1: yeah speedo has been the longest longest sponsor huge thanks to them of course um also just announced the the zico uh coconut water it's been awesome i uh well downstairs at the uh in in my little weight room downstairs there's about 10 of these empty bottles because i love i love bringing that down there and it can get pretty hot in the uh in, in in the garage on a a sunny day. So um, also, you know, I was picked up to be part of, uh, to be part of Ralph Lauren's team, which has Mm -hmm. been awesome. Um, And then of course uh, the team, or sorry, not team USA, USA Swimming Foundation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I've been, I've been, you know, working with them for, uh, for since the start of my career basically. And and really that, that kind of came from seeing what the work that they're doing, seeing what swimming had done for me, and then, you know, to your point from what you were talking about before, like going and teaching kids how to swim, whatever, you know, different people have their little sweet spot, what levels they enjoy doing. But it is an awesome, awesome sport. I mean, Yuki, I think it was even a study, I think it came out of Australia somewhere, just talking about how swim lessons before the age of four uh, can actually help improve the cognitive ability of, of uh, young people. And I'm like,
0: oh, what are they talking
1: about? And then, and then they actually go into it. And they're like, yeah, well you're teaching these kids like kinesthetic awareness. Hey, move your head like this, you know, blow bubbles, uh, make yourself float in the water or follow this, follow the black line, do that. And it's like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's actually, it is, it's, it's training for, for a young brain. And I don't know. I, I just, I really, I, I feel blessed. Actually, I'm going to even circle back in college. Like a lot of people went out uh, and did software sales. That's just what happens in the Bay area. And I remember talking to a friend after they were done. They were like, "Yeah, I do, uh, I do, you know, this product." But honestly, like, there's another company that's really big out there, and they have a better product. So it's kind of hard. And I was like, I mean, I had like nightmares about that. I was like, Could you imagine trying to make your your living is based off of selling a product that you know is inferior, mm. and you are literally kind of being a little bit deceitful trying to get these people to buy your product, mm. and here we are spreading the word about swimming, and I really do genuinely believe that it's an amazing, amazing sport, and it can take you to places you never imagined and teach these life lessons and, and problem-solving ability that's just so special, and, uh, and I really feel blessed to, to be part of the sport.
0: Well, listen, man, I, I feel blessed to know you're you a good man and it sucks because you're a good man and uh, an Olympic champion. That, sh- that shouldn't be the way, you know, <laughs> but uh, you're just a good man. And I'm um, so, so thankful to have been able to work with you a little bit and thankful just you came on the podcast and shared some, such great information, man. So good luck over the next, um, you know, 11 months in the lead up to trials. We be watching, and hope you get a lot of work in, but um, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's,
1: it's my pleasure, man. Really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. All right. Take care, Nathan.
1: Yeah. All right. Hey, that was fun, man. Thank you. See you. Bye. Very good.